Farm Food Facts, where every farmer, every acre, and every voice matter. Welcome to Farm Food Facts for Wednesday, April 8th, 2020. I'm your host, Phil Lempert. Every farmer, rancher, retailer, and consumer is faced with one of the most serious epidemics in our lives. Many of our farmers are in the fields preparing their crops for spring. We're also seeing extraordinary efforts from our farmers and ranchers working together and coordinating their efforts to fill the supply chain. And as a result, our supermarket shelves are filling up. Our CEO, Aaron Fitzgerald, has been busy talking with farmers and ranchers, along with scores of trade groups, NGOs, just about every sector across the supply chain and the folks in Washington to see how we can all work together to stem the current situation. But also, even more importantly, how to prepare our farms and our supply chain and the earth for the future. Last week, we shared a new campaign that we will be supporting here on Farm Food Facts, highlighting people and organizations who are going beyond the call of duty in our food world and recognizing them with hashtag virtual high five. This week's kudos and hashtag virtual high five goes to Walmart and Sam's Club for taking the lead at retail by quickly installing sneeze guards at their registers to protect both shoppers and employees, offering employees additional pay increases, marking six-foot shelf distances at check stands, other high-traffic locations, even outside the store, offering senior-only shopping hours, instituting improved sanitation regimens throughout the store, and actually taking the temperature of every Walmart associate who arrives at work. And if their temperature exceeds 100 degrees, they send them home with pay for the day in order to protect their fellow workers and their shoppers. Walmart and Sam's Club gets this week's hashtag virtual high five. Aaron, you've been quite active on your blog talking about the impacts that we're now facing. Tell me more about what you are naming the six small actions with big impact farm to fork and forcing all of us to consider how to get food to our communities. You know, um, Phil, I know we've talked a lot over the last two weeks. And when I think about just my friends and my family, everybody has just been going through a lot, right? And But one thing that has been giving us all just a sense of calm and um, gratitude has been the meals on our plates, what we can cook and pull out of Mm -hmm. our freezer, how we're going to the grocery store. I'm seeing recipes for bread making, even as everyone's home going through the road. Aaron, to, to that point, last week, what Nielsen reported is the number one increase of product that was sold in the supermarket, forget toilet paper and everything else, was actually baking yeast. Yes. So you are dead on. People are making their own bread. And I'm not sure if it's because they're bored or they they can't find bread, or they're using it to, you know, educate their kids on how to bake. Absolutely. I was talking to our partners at Meredith and allrecipes.com, and they had also found that bread and pizza making has has really been um, high. And and I think that we're seeing, you know, this attention and really focus to our plates. And that really goes back to me as an American. We have, as you guys have seen in a lot of my blogs, a whole holiday truly dedicated as a culture of a people Mm -hmm. about to honoring the harvest, that being Thanksgiving. And now more than ever, I truly believe we need to be grateful for what what is on our plates. It it is reducing our anxiety, our sense of comfort, and it's bringing us joy during these difficult times. At the same time, you know, we have to recognize that there are a lot of people on the front line, you know, our medical workers, 
are hard at work. Um, some of my family members are, are in the medical field and it's amazing what they're doing. And, you know, while they're hard at work, we've seen sanitizers, toilet paper and, and the like still not on the shelves. I do think we can take unbelievable comfort in knowing that the food sector is 100% committed to safe, affordable and accessible food. But right now, everyone kind of needs to do their part to help them do that. Just as in the medical community, we are all doing our part to physically distance and socially distance to really bring down the curve. We as consumers and caring about food can also do our part. So the first thing that we're saying is, you know, definitely just, you know, recognize that socially distance should be fun. You know, let's, let's make it fun. We can be together as a community during this time. We can share our recipes. We can share our love over food and connect over food in, in meaningful ways and take that gratitude and that moment to really recognize and honor that harvest. And we can also lift up leaders who are working from farm to your transportation provider, to somebody in a warehouse, door delivery dash guy, a great restaurant person, and just say, keep going, man. You know, everybody is working hard. Give them a virtual high five, recognize whoever it is, and, and tell them truly why that made a difference for you and your family. And just do a hashtag, honor the harvest, neighbors helping neighbors, community food, farming, and coronavirus. And, you know, we need some, we need some good stories. And I know I've seen a, a neighbor that baked banana bread. She got a high five, you know, just keep mm-hmm. putting things out there that really help us express gratitude for the food on our plate. I think, Aaron, what you're bringing up is so important that this has also brought the country and the world a little closer together in a a good emotional way that we're all in this together. I was on a call earlier today with with a group um, over in the UK, small company, you know, 15 people and three people there have COVID-19. So we've got to be smart about this and we've got to be understanding that we're all in this together. Let me ask what happens after this. And um, the good news is there will be an after this. Um, when, we, when we talk about the self-distancing and we're seeing these supermarkets putting up these, these plastic plexiglass dividers, if you would, at the check stand, we're seeing them put, you know, even if it's just painter's tape marking six foot distances, are we going to continue to see that after it or are are th- people going to get sloppy again and, you know, be right up against each other? I don't think we actually know culturally how we're going to see as we reemerge into society for, for a while, how that's going to look. But just where we are and looking at the curves, we're still in many, you know, I'm, I'm in St. Louis. Our peak curve won't happen until May. So I think we're not even ready to have this conversation until we're mm. thinking more about July and August time frame. But, you know, Phil, you're very connected to many of those retailers as well. I think right now everyone's just really worried about, you know, making certain that everyone's safe for their employees yep. and, and, and customers. And we will see these things in effect, I would imagine, for quite some time. I would agree with you. And, you know, what we're also starting, I mentioned Walmart, you know, taking the temperature of, of their employees. We've also started to see some retailers around the country taking the temperature of their shoppers and not allowing their shoppers to come into the store to put other shoppers um, and employees at risk. And and I think we've really learned a lot very quickly. You know, the food industry sometimes, I'm not talking about farmers, uh, but the the retail food industry sometimes doesn't move quickly, as quickly as we would like. 
They're still trying to figure out frequent shopper card programs 20 years later. Uh, but on this, you know, practically every supermarket in the country now has that plexiglass shield out. Practically everyone have those six foot markings. So it really reinforces the fact that the food industry, the entire supply chain from farm to fork can really move quickly and solve problems when we need to. And my hope is that after this disaster, we continue in, in a much more you know positive way. And, and with that, I want to get to your number two point, which is donating to the food insecure. Tell me more about what's going on there. Well, yeah, I think related to, you know, adaptability is, as you were talking about in the food sector, I actually think we're seeing agility. Like everyone is moving with lightning swiftness mm -hmm. to be able to yep. deliver as a coordinated network to food to, to the consuming public. I've seen restaurateurs and retailers really adapt their business model quickly. I just uh, posted on Twitter a restaurateur turned their kitchen into a commissary for a medical and policemen and firemen that were in need. Wow, that's great. You know, but the one thing I do think related to this agility is the ability to quickly move the ability we have. We don't have a food problem. Okay. Our farmers are hard at work in the field. We have a redistribution problem. And as you've seen for many of the uh, stores, when there's these buyouts, consumers are buying sometimes a little too much. So you got to do your part. Don't overbuy necessarily. You mean you don't need 100 rolls of toilet paper? You know, I saw a lady at the checkout with 100 pounds of potatoes for a two-person family. I was like, well, I wonder if she's making vodka. I don't know. But, you know, <laughs> that, there's a, just a little too much going on right now. And yeah, so yeah. you don't need to buy so much. Be, be mindful. But the most important thing, is because we can imagine so many of our neighbors really that have already been what I would call food insecure. And if you don't know what that is, there is hidden hunger in our community. You can go to a website called Map the Meal Gap and really get familiar because you know what? It has been hidden for too long and we need to talk about it. These families now, it's not who you always think. They might have had a health incident. They might have been a family of two kids. Those kids might have been getting their meals during school. Well, now faced with the economic pressures at home, they need help. And so we need to make certain that we are all doing our part. Go to Feeding America. They are just like a retailer. They are picking up food. They are grabbing it from our farms and they are buying it direct to be able to get it and redistribute it to people who are in need right now. And so the one thing I could just say is if everybody here can really log in and go to Feeding America because we we all need to do our part. There's the, obviously, as you know, Congress did pass some stimulus funds. But again, even in normal times, there's food insecure. And that will only last these families so much time. Uh, we all can do our part and really get some, really money is what they need right now to be able to buy direct and get it into the food bank system, who, if you don't know how that works, it then gets it straight into a school or gets it straight into a church basement to go do the good work. And also, you know, we've all seen the reports that in certain parts of the country, dairy farmers are really under a lot of pressure because of the disruptions that you're talking about in the supply chain and also because it's a very perishable product. I mean, milk can't be frozen like meat can or, or like, you know, uh, grain can be. And Feeding America is really working with a lot of dairy farmers to take that milk and bring it to these families in need. That's right. So, you know, as we're going to see, again, it's a redistribution. 
you know, if you give your dollars to someone like Feed America, then they have the dollars to go buy direct. And so we're going to see some peaks in volume, but Feed America is able to, to handle that. And so the more we can help our colleagues and our communities during this time, uh, working through the Feed America network, I always uh, tell Claire and um, Gerard Matthews, many of my friends at Feed America, my gosh, if you thought of them as a retailer store, if you look at the amount of people they serve, they would be the 10th largest retailer in America. And right now, I can't imagine a retailer with all empty shelves. Um, we need to make certain that we can um, really help make Feeding America successful. To give you another idea of just how vital this resource is, normally, when there's an incident, let's say like a hurricane, you have a feeding bank system. They have two weeks. Every feeding bank has about two weeks of food on supply. Mm-hmm. Well, when a natural disaster hits, all the other food banks back up, almost like a savings bank, to go help that region of the country. Now you can imagine Feeding America really has a 50-state fire alarm need. And so we need to really help them. And again, anybody that's listening, please just take a moment and do a quick donation because they can help all the way from farm to anyone in our community. Absolutely. And and I, I want to build on something else, which I found fascinating in your number three, which is two parts. One is consider hosting a virtual dinner. And the other one is your warning that says don't schedule virtual happy hours back to back. So talk to me about virtual dinners. Maybe even talk to me about the virtual happy hours. Well, you know, I think the third part is really like we can do all do these things from our couch. The other thing that we're seeing is just like being there, truly being there for your family, friends and colleagues and your community members, you know, and, you know, what can you do in your apartment? Well, you know, I can check in on, on a colleague. I know we at USFRI, we hosted a virtual happy hour and then my friends hosted another virtual happy hour. All of a sudden there was three happy hours and you haven't left your couch. You know, normally if you're out at a bar, you, you realize, you know. So I just would say, be careful on that virtual happy hour when you're sitting on your couch. Uh, you don't realize quite how tipsy you can get pretty quick when you have all those virtual happy hours going on. But it's a lot of fun if you haven't done it uh, to really meet your friends. And then also, I know with my family, we have tried to do cooking exchange and recipe exchange. It's kind of fun if maybe even you pick a day where you've all made the same thing and then can have a virtual dinner together. I think the other one about being there is if you really just take a minute and write down people on your list, like you might also know somebody who's elderly. Um, is there a way you and your friends could maybe take turns setting up to-do lists for them? Um, a lot of these elderly folks do not have mm-hmm. digital savviness. So, and also they just want a phone call maybe, or check in and help divide tasks, mm-hmm. yeah, um, place true. grocery orders for them, or just help them in this like kind of digital age right now, I think go, can go a long ways too. Let's talk about first responders, you know, whether it be nurses, doctors on the front line, you know, we've all heard the stories about they need masks, they need respirators. What else do they need that maybe hasn't made the headlines so much? Yeah. So I was also thinking what you can kind of do from your couch (laughs) and help. One of them is donate blood. You know, talking to a lot of the medical community, there's a critical shortage. If you download the app, it actually tells you what's needed when and tells you how to do it in a safe way. And there's different things. I know I'm trying to do that this weekend. So I thought that was a really great way. And then also in thinking about so many of where our food leaders are, places where food is grown and processed, often it's in rural communities. 
Um, and these rural communities don't mm -hmm. necessarily have a lot of the resources. So the CDC has opened up a first responder. So if you want to donate and help first responders to make sure that they have the mask and the right equipment in these small rural communities, largely where farm and food is grown, I provide that resource there for you too. And, you know, let's talk about our community, how we should be supporting the community farm to fork. What other ways can we help besides, you know, donating through CDC, besides donating through Feeding America? Are there any other areas that we should be focused on? Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a foodie. So it, I know many of you, I can't imagine my favorite restaurant going out of business. So, I mean, can you buy a gift card? Right. Consider it like a promise to that restaurateur that you're going to be back. That's a great idea. I hadn't, I hadn't even thought about that. I've been going to my favorite restaurants that have takeout, you know, and, and trying to keep them open. But I never thought until this moment in time that if I give them some extra money by buying a gift card that I'm going to be able to use in a couple months myself, so it's not a donation, that that really helps their cash flow. Very smart. Very smart. The other thing is maybe think through um, the American Farmland Trust. Some farmers do need help right now. They've set up a trust that 100% of the donations will be going to those farmers. So I think about, you know, many of the restaurant workers are going through a tough time and or some farmers um, those two ways could be pretty easy to kind of help. And let's pull back a little bit. We've been talking about the U.S. We've been talking about the American farmer and rancher. What's going on globally and what can we and what should we be doing across the globe? Well, obviously, in America, we it's amazing for us to say that we don't have a food shortage. Right. right. But we do know many around the world, they already had food shortages. And so this epidemic is going to be affecting them much more so. I know we are all faced with, you know, just kind of looking inward block by block, make double checking our families are OK and everything. But I mean, we do need to recognize that we are a blessed nation and it's time to help everybody else. So, you know, I, I put two, two resources out here of two organizations that I think do an exceptional job on food insecurity, that being UNICEF, the United Nations Children Fund. You can send supplies there as well as food. They will really make certain that kids have food and the necessary medical supplies during this time. And then Heifer International is, is a wonderful organization. You know, they say, teach a man to fish, right? They provide actually flocks of chickens or little piglets or cows to a village so that they have 365 days of nutrition each year. And they provide the actual means for these communities to have on not just one meal, but ongoing the resources to have a meal every single day through agricultural support. So that's another great organization that's not just helping even right now, but can pay it forward for the long term. Well, Aaron, thank you for your continued leadership for our industry, certainly for USFRA, and keep those blogs coming. Great stuff there, and thanks for being on Farm Food Facts today. Well, thanks, Bill. I just want to tell everyone, stay safe, sanitized, and smiley. Thanks for listening to today's podcast episode. For more information on all things food and agriculture, please visit us at usfarmersandranchers.org. Also, be sure to look for us on Facebook, at U.S. Farmers and Ranchers, or on Twitter at USFRA. Until next time.